You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Dubis is sitting there. He's saying, look, if you want Gensel... I want the Giroux deal. I mean, I think it goes without saying the type of player Morgan is. He's a pretty exemplary uh, guy. A lot of technical tests determined that was a lot. What is it that you want to see the rest of this game? I want to see shots, shots, shots. Okay. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. The Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning, Laddie. Good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Second day in a row. Intern Jag. Good morning to you as well. Good morning. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. They pay the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. You can visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Wait for it. Kintec. Too much? No. Nice. We got a big show. I always say this. Jason gives me a hard time. But I mean it every single time. Some more than others. Uh, we get our guest list underway at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. 7.30, final hit for now with one of our favorite NFL insiders, Nick Shook from NFL.com. Uh, 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor is going to call uh, join us because he's on the call tonight. Canucks are back in action. Canucks, Blackhawks, 5.30 from Chicago. The last of a five-game road swing before they head home to exact revenge against Jake Wallman and the Detroit Red Wings. I'm really looking forward to that, by the way. Uh, so we will talk to Batch ahead of tonight's game. A reminder, pregame, postgame, and the actual game, it's all right here on Sportsnet 650. It's a game day. We have a lot to get into. So, again, working quickly in reverse on the guest list. 8 o'clock, Batch. 7.30, Nick Shook. 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. No giveaways today, but that still means that you should send in what we learn because it's still a chance to be on the radio. Dunbar Lumber text line. 650-650, what did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know, hashtag it, WWL, send them in. Uh, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Day off yesterday for the Vancouver Canucks. There will be a morning skate, 9.30 our time this morning. As mentioned, puck drop, 5.30. Biggest news since it was a day off yesterday, Carson Soucy goes to IR. Jet Wu recalled from Abbotsford to join the big club in Chicago. Yeah, as you mentioned, they'll have... Yep, okay, there it is. It's early for that. Uh, as you mentioned, they'll have a game day skate this morning. Um, so we might see at that point if there are any changes to the lines or the lineup. Zadorov still has a game left on his suspension. Um, so we'll also see how long this call-up lasts for Jet Wu. Sunday in Washington, 
there was only one true healthy scratch because Susie was listed and Zadorov was listed and that left Sam Lafferty. Um, Mark Friedman got his way back into the lineup to replace Zadorov. He played fairly limited minutes, but you know, we didn't talk about him afterwards. So that's a good thing as yep. the Canucks won in overtime. He was out there. Once Zadorov is back for Thursday's home game against Detroit, and presumably Friedman is back in the press box, the Canucks could still carry eight defensemen and just one extra forward. But let's cross that bridge once we get to it. Uh, tonight's opponent in Chicago, the Canucks will be favored. And that is <laughs> that is obvious. Uh, the Blackhawks are terrible and they can't score. They actually scored three three goals against the Rangers the other day in a 4-3 OT loss. That's a pretty good result for them. And uh, you know, poor Luke Richardson, who's the head coach in Chicago, was kind of like, we haven't gotten the results most nights, but I think we're inching closer every time. It's tough. They're uh, in participation ribbon mode at this point. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. Uh, so the Canucks have a very good opportunity to improve to 3-1-1 one, and one on a five-game road trip that we said was going to be a tough road trip, and maybe they'd face some adversity, but... If they finish 3-1-1 one, and one on this road trip, um, we probably have to talk about whether or not that counts as adversity. I mean, look, regardless of how the road trip ends up, things went wrong on the trip, sure. right? right? Like, or was it the, the, But they, it's not like the Winnipeg Jets losing five in a row or anything. No, no, no. Like that, well, the, yeah, in terms of wins and losses, no. But in terms of, like, they, they put up a dud in Boston. Yeah. They had one of their defensemen suspended. Mm -hmm. They lost on a penalty shot in overtime in Detroit and had to watch a guy gritty on their heads afterwards. I'm really looking forward to it. We need to talk about that later because I'm I'm feeling very old about all this. Um, And that (laughs) You've never done the gritty? I've never done the gritty. Not once? He's tried and failed. I was laughing because I I did it in the shower the other day. I had to go to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) I was laughing the other day because I was listening to Kipper and Bourne. And 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 and, oh, Ki- and, and and Kipper's like, uh, is is he still the mascot in Philly? And and the guys were like, no, I, I think we gotta we gotta emphasize that gritty, yeah, which is, is the mascot the- in Philly, and and g- the gritty is, two D's, two D's, not is, right, is, yeah. is, is, is is a dance move. Like I feel like. Uh, a lot of us old guys are kind of like, the, what is the gritty anyway? Like, is is that like the is that like the twist? <laughs> is it the not that old? I know that, but sometimes I feel that old. Um, yeah. Well, okay. There's Chubby Checker doing the twist. Not after a goal, though. He should he, do the twist. He can do it awesome. in the intermissions. Bring but him he back. Can't do it after he scores. <laughs> and you know what? Since we're having the we're litigating the world's biggest decision back east of Toronto as it pertains to Morgan Riley. Right, I feel like this Wallman thing has gone wildly under the radar, but we're going to bring it. But that's on Thursday. Uh, I do want to mention, just I want to reiterate just how bad the Blackhawks are. I'm not trying to jinx tonight's game. Okay, Blackhawks are plus two twenty five on the money line. The uh, Canucks are minus two eighty six. So going into this game, everyone understands that the Canucks are favored. The Blackhawks are bad. They have four wins since December 9th. Four. They yeah. have four wins in their last 25 they years. They can't like, score. Like, it's not for a lack of trying, and it's not for a lack of effort, but their lineup is so bereft of talent that you just kind of wonder who's, who's going to step up and provide something. They have 12, 14 goals in their last 12 games. No Bedard, no Hall, no Athanasiu, no Beauvillier. 
And those last two guys actually matter in this conversation because they're bona fide NHL players yeah. compared to the rest of the team. Remember that some were wondering if Kuzmenko might go there as a way for the Canucks to free up cap space. He ultimately went to Calgary. Um, Bedard, you mentioned he's out. He won't play again tonight. His return from a broken jaw could come soon, though, maybe next week. Um, in the meantime, just as an aside on the Calder Trophy race, there are some pretty good young defensemen that I think should be in the mix. Um, I wonder if Brock Faber might steal the Calder. He had another from, big night last night. Yeah, he, he, he's like he's he's he plays like twenty five minutes a night mm-hmm. for the Minnesota Wild, who beat Vegas last night. Um, Luke Hughes, the brother of Quinn, he has an outside shot too, especially if he can help get the Devils into the playoffs. Um, I think it's important when you've got – you can't just look at point totals, right? Especially for defensemen, both Faber and Hughes play big minutes for their teams, and you got to take that into consideration. Now, if you look at most of the sports books, Bedard is – Still the favorite to win the Calder Trophy, but the gap has closed. He mm-hmm. was a huge favorite before he had this unfortunate injury. Um, now he's still the favorite, but less of a favorite. Well, I just wonder, it's going to come down to how many games he plays at the end of the day, right? Because he's missed a considerable amount of time with the broken yeah. jaw. So the NBA... And whether or not he comes back and plays good hockey. Yeah, I mean, but that that's a good point too, right? Like if he doesn't come back and put up the same kind of point totals. I know it's not all about point totals, but you know the NBA instituted that rule this year where for a lot of their major awards there were certain minimums that you had to meet. Right. You had to play 65 games, you had to play at least 20 <laughs> minutes a night. Boy, why did they do that? I know. And then but then it became super arbitrary, right? Well, like when was if a guy plays in 64 games, mm-hmm. right? And he's the best player in the league by a wide margin. Is it because he did, missed that one extra game? It's it's a slippery slope when it comes to awards, but um, people have been... I know Dmitry Filipovich, of course, host of the PDO cast here on Sportsnet 650, has been talking up Brock Faber really since the beginning of the year, saying just what a huge impact he's made on a bad Minnesota team who won last night, by the way. That helped out the Canucks. I'm now doing scoreboard watching just to make sure that the Oilers and the Golden Knights don't make up any sort of significant ground on the mm-hmm. Canucks for first in the division. I want... The sooner that they get locked into two and three, I know. Just that's great. That's yeah. all I want to see now. The Canucks are going to make the playoffs. I said it. I stand by it. I don't regret it. <laughs> two and three has got to be Vegas, Edmonton, in whatever way, shape, or form. I don't care who finishes second and who finishes third. Mm-hmm. I don't want either of them to fall into the wild card. Certainly don't want either of them to jump up the first and to push the Canucks down the standings. So I also want to <laughs> see that series. Oh, it'd be great. You know, some people say, oh, it'll be better later in the playoffs. No. Opening round of the playoffs, those two teams don't like each other. Vegas has been kind of erratic. Like they had coming out of the break, they had that good win against Edmonton mm-hmm. that snapped the the win streak. Then they went and sort of mucked it out with Arizona, got a win there, and then last night they gave up five in a loss to Minnesota. So I mean, what else happened last night in the NHL? Well, there was a big game for both teams uh, at Madison Square Garden between the Flames and the Rangers. Very spicy affair. Uh, there are a couple different controversial moments. So Igor, Igor Shesterkin gets his season back on track. 2 nothing shutout win over the Flames. So the Flames' win streak is stopped. But if you look at it, they've got to be happy with how that four-game road swing went. They came out of the All-Star break. They picked up wins against the Bruins, the Devils, and the Islanders before losing in New York to the Rangers to finish it off. Markstrom has been out of this world good. He mm. was awesome last night again. 29 saves. He, I watched the first period. 
Like they should have been down two or three nothing, but he really held the fort down. And now it gets really interesting for Calgary because we've got the audio here. Freege threw it out on Saturday's Hockey Night Canada's headline segment and then reiterated it yesterday in the 32 Thoughts pod. The connection between Jacob Markstrom and the New Jersey Devils is that the Devils need a goalie. The Flames might be in seller mode and they have a goalie. Mm-hmm. And further complicating It'll things. Be like, uh, do you have any more Sharon Goviches? Yeah, give us another one of those. That worked out great for us, right? <laughs> do we have the audio here, Laddie? This we'll play this because anytime I know Mark, it's been a few years since Marky played in Vancouver, but division rival going to Calgary, still always keep tabs on him. And a goalie move of this magnitude could be interesting. Here's Frege on the Devils and the Flames, as he put it, looking awkwardly at one another about the potential of a trade. I think the surest predictor of future events is past events. So teams know that the Flames are not crazy about this, right? So I do believe that is a major hurdle and was probably the major hurdle. And I think the package was, I think they were closer on that. I'm not 100% sure, but I think they were closer on that. It was, they weren't, it wasn't perfect, but I heard the retention was the much bigger problem, the much bigger problem. And like I had people telling me it's, it's fallen apart. It's over, but I don't know that. I, I don't like to say that because I've learned in this business that just because something is true one day doesn't mean it's true the next day. But I do think the devils are looking at other possibilities now. So it, it, Fridge went on to report that things got far enough down the road that Markstrom was actually approached about a potential trade. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, I mean, it sounds like it's scuttled for now. They could always circle back on it. We're still like, we got almost an entire month until the trade deadline. So remains to be seen if that could happen. But it was interesting watching it last night because Markstrom was fantastic again. And the Devils did win last night, courtesy of your boy, Nico Dawes. I also want to point out the fact that we were having this conversation about trading a goalie with term midseason. Mm-hmm. You know who really was the last goalie where that happened? No. Roberto Luongo, oh, yeah. which was the trade for right. Jacob Markstrom. It all yeah. comes full circle. It's kind of wild. Um, did you have something you want to add on Well, there? I wanted to mention that New Jersey did win, and, and you mentioned that already. Uh, so Nico Dawes was in there. Um, he stopped 27 of 28 shots against the Seattle Kraken. Um, Laddie, if you were the New Jersey Devils and knowing where they stand in the standings right now, which is four points out of the second wildcard spot, but also if you knew that you were, you had the potential to be healthy by the time you got the play, got to the playoffs, if you made them. What would you do? Would you go out and would you work on a Markstrom trade? Would you keep working on it? Would you try and get UC Saros in there? Or would you roll the dice with what they got, including Nico Das? I'd be confident you can find somebody to fill that that role that doesn't cost the money in term that Markstrom does. If you know, like Jake it, Allen has lost it in Montreal. Uh, he hasn't played a ton, honestly. He's yeah. been out of the but lineup he got a lot. Lit up. He got he lit got up against... in his first game in you know weeks. So I think it was partly due to that. But I, I there's got to be a name out there that they can at least pair with Nico Dawes going forward mm-hmm. and try to salvage this goaltending tandem that they have because it, it's not going to be Vanacek. But the problem with him is that he's got the contract. They well, can't just bury him somewhere. So the other team I'm wondering about is L.A. And this could, in theory affect the Vancouver Canucks because let's say the LA Kings went out and got 
Markey or let's throw another name out there, UC Soros. Yeah of the Nashville Predators, and all of a sudden we get that 2-3 matchup between Vegas and Edmonton, and it leaves the Canucks with the LA Kings. But you're against UC Saros and not Cam Talbot. Or David who has, Riddick. Who has predictably, <laughs> like... good in his last game. But, like, predictably, like, those guys have slowed down a little bit compared to what they were doing earlier in the season. Um, I just wonder if there's going to be some goaltending... Um, changes uh during the season new jersey will obviously want to they'll want to get a guy with term because what if they go out and spend money on let's say marky was a a, a, a pending ufa so he'd be a rental mm-hmm. and they go out and get him and they spend assets and then they're like ah we still miss the playoffs right? i mean that like, would be that would be a damn right and yeah, that's yeah. and, that, and there's a decent possibility of that happening because that mushy middle in the east is mm-hmm. chock full of teams right i think we we're ready to Rule Washington out of it. So I think Markey has two years after this, yep. and Saros has one year after this. Mark, if Markey does go to, let's say in this hypothetical world where everything gets turned upside down, Markey going to New Jersey and Saros going to LA would make for one of the more entertaining trade deadlines in recent memory because you're talking about not just two starting goalies, but two very high-end starting goalies mm-hmm. going to playoff-bound teams or, as you mentioned, a New Jersey team is trying to make the push, right? I'd be tempted if I was New Jersey to stick with Dawes, though, because it's, it almost reminds me of the Leafs situation last year when they had Joseph Wall there, but they were so reluctant to give the young guy a shot. And I know it can be tough when so much is riding on your season to, oh, we're going to go with the young kid, but I really think Nico Dawes has the potential to at least give them league average goaltending. I want to address another trade that's hanging out there in the ether and one that is very close to the Vancouver Canucks, given that we've talked about it on a number of occasions, even uh, prior to the Elias Lindholm acquisition, and that is Jake Gensel out of Pittsburgh. And Fridge had an update here, essentially insisting that even if Pittsburgh remains in the chase and in a playoff spot, the Gensel deal could still come to fruition. It's a long clip, so we'll let it breathe. Elliot Friedman now, the latest on the Jake Gensel situation in Pittsburgh. Obviously, Dubas is going to look at the Giroux deal as opposed to the Sharon Go- uh, the Toffoli deal because the Giroux price was a little bit higher. But Dubas is sitting there. He's saying, look, if you want Gensel, I want the Giroux deal. So he can wait. Like, everyone's looking at Gensel. And the teams who want him, they know whether Kyle Dubas waits. And a really tough weekend for the Penguins. Bad loss in Minnesota. uh, No points against Winnipeg. So, you know, like, look, like, I think Dubas is prepared to let this play out because he knows the comparables and everybody else knows the comparables too. To me, it's just simply a question of when does Dubas decide if he's going to do it. Now, if Pittsburgh's in the race, I still think he does it. But, you know, as I say, the math isn't very good for them. But I think everybody knows, like, that's what the Penguins are going to be asking for when the time comes for Gensel. Now, the other thing, too, Jeff, that happens here is there's going to be some teams who say, I'm not, I can't, either I'm not or I can't pay that price for any of those players. So they go and search what else they want but those are kind of the four guys that the people who have that want or are willing to pay that price are 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 waiting on mm-hmm. uh adam and reek 
Adam well, Henrique drop in the end there. Oh, God, what was it about? Keep going. <laughs> Adam yeah, Henrique. Adam Henrique. He's, he's retiring. <laughs> Uh, so I know a lot of you want to talk about um, the Morgan Riley situation and some of the comments from Ryan Reeves, who kind of sarcastically said, bring bring violence back to hockey, which we've actually kind of said, too. Was it sarcastic? Well, yeah. in some ways, you know, in, in other ways, uh, we've also realized that, like, violence, as bad as violence is, often makes things a lot more interesting. Yes. Um I'm surprised in Vancouver that this gritty thing has become a thing. Um, although, with how unhinged Leafs fans have become about this Ridley Grieg thing, um, and with how passionate both hockey markets are, maybe I, sh- I shouldn't be surprised. But like, well, it's like me, when the Michigan first started. To me, hold on a sec. To me, those these things are fundamentally different things, right? Like Ridley Grieg. If I were the Leafs, I would have had a problem with that. I would have had a problem with that because that's showing up the other team. You already had the lead. All you did was add on to the lead. Um, now, I'm not defending Morgan Riley. I think he should be suspended, and I think anyone who thinks he should get away with that, you know, is insane. Um, not being earnest. Yeah, like I, I, I would have gone over there and said something to him, maybe drop the gloves, but not cross-check him in the head, okay? The gritty that Wallman did um, when he scored the game-winning goal on a penalty shot, aren't we allowed sellies? Aren't we allowed? I thought people see. See, this is where I get confused. This is where I got confused. I this was America. This is this is where I get confused because I hear from all these hockey fans that say hockey players are so boring. I love a good selly. Is that not just? Does the gritty have some sort of cultural meaning that I'm I'm too old to no, understand? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it's the old guy yelling at Klaus. Like, thing. That's what it like, is. It's I, just like the Michigan. Like, oh, how dare he do this? It's disrespectful. No, man, he's just doing something cool. Just it, let it go. It's 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 different than the Michigan because the Michigan's actually a, like a move. I'm, I'm. This is just doesn't that fall under Selly? Yes, it's a Selly. Right. Like I thought, we wanted hockey players. Like, imagine is that what's different than than Wallman doing the gritty? Like, I okay. I said yesterday, my kid uh, loved it. Hold right? on a second. What's different than kids. that than a touchdown celebration Nothing. in the NFL? Nothing. Well, it's that nobody. Uh, did, it stood out because well, like, it goes against let, the hockey code. So no, it's, it's I mean, difference. okay, let's look at this for what it was. Like, people know. want people want to, the Canucks to take revenge on this guy on Thursday. Yep, I mean a clean, <laughs> a clean. <laughs> I mean a, a clean open yeah. ice hit followed yeah. by a gritty like, would be pretty back, cool. At least back in the day with Bertuzzi and Moore, you were like, "Why do you want revenge?" Uh, that guy hurt our player and one of our star players, and we didn't like this. What is it now? We want revenge. Why? Because he did the sick dance he, move. He did a little <laughs> dance after he scored on the penalty shot to win the game. The conversation's out there, though. They had it. It was one. Bex and uh, panel brought it up yeah. in the aftermath. I mean, it's it's out there. I don't. It's disrespectful. It's all, to the the game. only you know reason I, it's out there, though. The only reason it's out there is because of what's going on in Toronto. With I mean, that doesn't help with the conversation, and I do mean help because the conversation in Toronto has gotten so bizarre. And so toxic. But they're two completely and different things. They are and they aren't. Because it's it's a bit naive to say that one has nothing to do with the other. Right? That's, I mean, they're totally different like, instances. But it's the core essence of it is 
that guy did something that we didn't like. And I'll use that stupid Sheldon Keefe quote from earlier. It's like, and we have a right to respond, right? It, I didn't mind it. I thought it was a pretty good dance. I here's I'll tell you exactly why everyone's got a problem with it. And it's because one, and I think a lot of people are right in this. I thought the, the call for the penalty shot was weak. Yes. If we're being dead honest. It, I, I think it's it, more of that that they're yeah, about. And then the, the the situation that unfolded <laughs> is that when it's a one-on-one like that, it and it's a walk-off, you know. He was doing that dance, and it almost like there was a spotlight on him because nobody was around him. Yeah, everyone and it was, and then the. But can- he's done that before. Oh, he's doing the dance, I'm choking fine. on my own rage. But here. you know, you know, like, we- we're getting a text, and we need to send Walman a message. I don't even know if this is sarcastic or not. What's what's the message? A better don't, dance move. Don't yeah. celebrate after scoring the game-winning goal. No. We want to see a like, moonwalk. That's the yeah. difference between Ridley Grieg and what Walman did. Like, are we not? Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the massive sellies, but I'll allow it after you score a game-winning goal. The game's over then. But you know that this is a thing. I know it's a thing. Yeah, I and you know it, it shouldn't be. I, I, think, I think the ultimate response should be the Canucks, if, if they win, have to respond with a better, sicker dance move. No, Something that's more the elaborate. way to do it. Yeah, yeah that's that's I, I don't want this leading to a dance off between. Well, the maybe that's what it's got to be. Actually, you know, maybe I do. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. It's his friend and bachelor, 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 live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It's his friend and bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. 8.02 on a, a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for. We go now to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, or maybe it's a tie line. I don't even, where, what is Batch joining us via? The phone? Good old-fashioned telephone. Brendan Batchelor here now on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? How's it going, guys? Uh, we are well. I hope you're well as well. I'm going to, you know what? There's a lot of different really important pressing questions, but I, I just want to know from your perspective, Saturday's game against Detroit, when Jake Wallman busts out the gritty, did he didn't even, <laughs> did, was it even on your radar because of the amount of things that you had to do and call? You got a very busy job, a very important job during a game. Did it even land on your radar when he did it in the moment? It did because I was aware that he's done it in the past. Right, okay. And so I was thinking about that as a factor, but um, I, I didn't mention it in the moment in the call, um, mostly because I think I'd finished calling the goal and wrapping things up by the time he started doing it. So, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, Canuck fans would be hurting from, from having to hear that they'd lost the game in that fashion enough without 
rubbing extra salt in the wound. So I, I left it at that. But yes, I, I understand that it's kind of a trademark for him. He's done it a few times. And, uh, you know, that was clearly an opportunity for him to break it out with a, a penalty shot winner in overtime. Okay, that's it. We have now exercised all gritty talk for this, at least this next half hour. <laughs> we'll do it again in what we learned, I'm sure. Uh, okay, uh, we are now at the end of a five-game road swing out of the All-Star break. And Jason and I were talking about it at the onset. And we're like, you know, there could be some adversity here. They've got really tough games against Carolina and Boston. They got the backs to back, back to back on Saturday and Sunday. But you look at it now, and at least in terms of wins and losses, you can't really consider it an adversity-filled trip. Even though there have been some down moments for the team. You know, laying a dud in Boston was bad. Losing Zadorov to a suspension was bad. But it's been a very interesting trip in that regard, Batch, because you don't have like the, a five-game losing streak or anything like that. But there have been some hard times for the team on this trip. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I I think this is going to be one of those situations where at least internally, they are going to be looking at the process more so than the results. And, um, you know, Rick Tockett kind of preaches that regardless of whether you're winning or losing. And we've seen him be very critical after some wins and very complimentary after some losses. So, you know, they do have the chance to go three, one and one on the on the trip with a win tonight, which in any other season, in any other scenario would be considered a, a roaring success for a five game trip with some of the teams that they've had to play. But it speaks to how much the bar has been raised with this group that, you know, I, I'm sure internally, as well as some of the conversations we're having externally around this team, there is some criticism of the way they've started games, giving up the first goal early of all the shorthanded goals they've conceded but the encouraging thing is that they continue to find a way to get results in spite of some of the things that are happening with them right now that, you know, would, would very understandably lead to losses yet. They're finding a way to get points and get wins. And this is kind of what we've talked about where they're going to face adversity at some point, And we're going to learn a lot about them based on how they manage that adversity. Well, there has been some adversity on this trip. They're a team that, you know, has been, uh, a front runner in terms of leading in games and taking leads into the third period. And we've talked about that so much this year. It hasn't been that way as much on this road trip because they haven't been ready to start a lot of these games because they've been giving teams momentum swings by allowing them to score on penalty kills. And yet here they are with a couple of wins and an overtime loss uh, out of four games to show for it with a chance to get another two points in Chicago tonight so that to me is encouraging because it says that this is a team that can battle through things going against them and still find a way to get it done but you know with inside that dressing room they know that they're capable of more and they'll be frustrated that they haven't played as well as they can to this point coming out of the all-star break hey batch the canucks have 76 points how many points do you think they'd have um if not for the three players that comprise the third line that, by the way, that's what we're calling it now. We're not calling it the third line. It's like the Ohio State. It's like the third line. There are other third lines, Batch, but, but not this is the third, the third line. line. Yes, well, as uh, a graduate of the Ohio State University, I'm sure Dakota Joshua will be happy to hear about uh, that name for the line. But, um, you know, to answer your question, that, that line has been a game changer for this team. So I don't know if I could put a specific – point total on where they would be without those three guys playing the way that they have, but it would be, you know, maybe significantly fewer points is too strong of a word, but 
they would not be where they are now. They would not be at the top of the NHL standings. Um, and, you know, even look at this road trip where I think you could probably say with relative accuracy that a lot of the Canucks struggles come down to the fact that their top six hasn't played very well, but we're not sitting here criticizing the third line because they bring it every night. They find a way to control play. Uh, even when they're not generating offense, they're still a difference maker. And um, that's something that Rick Tockett talked about earlier in the season, you know, in relation to Connor Garland specifically, because, you know, I, I think it was maybe in November, there was some conversation about how he wasn't producing very much and his numbers were down and Tockett essentially said, you know, he's playing great. He deserves more points than he has right now. And, you know, we need those guys to focus on how important they've been for our team and not the point production, because that's, you know, not what they're going to be judged on. And, you know, sure enough, eventually they did go through a stretch where they were producing points every game. But even when they're not, they're, you know, such a huge difference maker for this group in terms of line deployment, especially on the road, that you can feel comfortable putting them out there against almost any line on any other team that you know that they're going to control play, that they're going to get in on the forecheck and grind and make it hard on other teams. And that oftentimes we see in-game sets up the top six for success because the third line or the third line will get the puck deep, will grind, will tire the other team out, they'll hem them in, they'll get a change, and that's where the top players get to come out and, and work their magic and generate some offense and create opportunities. So they've been absolutely integral for this team, and there's no way – look, I wouldn't have predicted that the Canucks would have 70-plus points at this point in the season anyway coming into the season but if you said that a big part of them being as successful as they have been would be that Bluger, Joshua and Garland <laughs> come together and are this tremendous line that allows them to tilt play I would I would not have believed you you know full stop so full credit to those guys for finding some chemistry and continuing to play consistently and that is a line that will be a huge difference maker for them in the playoffs if it continues to play this way because the style of game they play is well-suited to the playoffs. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if once we get into April or potentially May, we're talking about the third line generating a huge goal or a huge swinging momentum in a very important playoff game to help this team get a win. Uh, well, let's talk about the top six right now. Um, is it? I know the Canucks didn't practice yesterday, um, do you expect that there still could be some changes to not only the lineup, um, but I guess more importantly for this conversation, the composition of the top six? Yeah, I, I think there's always the possibility of, of changes in the top six, as long as, you know, they haven't been clicking on all cylinders. Now, you know, there's two, I'm of two minds on this, you know, one is you want to make some tweaks to try and see if you can get some of those guys going. The other mindset is chemistry is going to take time, especially for a guy like Lindholm arriving on a new team. So maybe you want to give the lines that you've built here a run of five, six, seven, eight, eight maybe even 10 games to see if they can generate some chemistry before you start tweaking and changing things too much. Because for a guy like Lindholm, you know, this is only going to be his fifth game as a Canuck tonight. 
and he's already seen a couple of different looks in terms of his line mates. He started with Pedersen on the wing. Now he's in the middle with Miller and Besser. And, you know, it's going to be hard to find chemistry if you keep tweaking and changing things every single game or every few games. So, um, you know, I do wonder if Talkett wants to give these lines a bit of a run and, and see if they can get going. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if he's not happy with what he's seen and wants to try and tweak things to see if he can find some of that magic. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to, hard to say which one of those two mindsets is going to be the correct one. But, you know, I, I heard you guys chatting with Brett Festerling yesterday, and he made this point, and I absolutely agree, that the huge benefit for this team is that they went out and got Lindholm early. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot more runway to figure this stuff out than maybe some of the other teams that are going to go chasing guys closer to the deadline. Uh, I know you can't force chemistry, but um, I think it's pretty obvious like that the Canucks wanted to find someone to play with Pedersen a better player to play with Pedersen. Are you a little bit surprised that they went away or Rick Tockett went away from Pedersen with Lindholm after, granted, uh, a pretty disastrous game in Boston, but it was only one game? Yeah, I I think part of it is message sending maybe, and part of it is, is trying to figure out the chemistry, like, um, you know, saying to both of those guys, look, we have to shake things up because you guys were both dash four together in a four nothing loss and that's not going to be good enough Uh, i expect we'll see lindholm and Pedersen back together at some point whether it's in the short term or the longer term and and i also expect that we might see the lotto line at some point too and and that's kind of where i look at in terms of where things could end up with these lines is can you can you deploy them in a way where you have lindholm as the centerpiece of a second line that you trust in tough matchups that you use as a shutdown line um, that, that plays that sort of role. And then you go to the lotto line and say, okay, you guys, you know, just worry about offense, go out there and produce as much as you can for us. And, and you know, that, that's something I'd like to at least see them try before the end of the regular season, because of that stretch where the lotto line was so good together and, you know, the possibility of being able to recreate that while now having someone that you trust as a, a second line center that can play in some of those tough matchups. But, um, you know, it remains to be seen how patient they are with the way things are now. It remains to be seen uh, what they look at for Pedersen. You know, to be honest, it remains to be seen if they don't have more moves coming in terms of trying to add players up their lineup that can make a difference. So, um you know, long way of saying, yes, I think they do need someone to play with Pedersen. I think Lindholm could still be that guy, um, but there are a variety of options for them there. And I would imagine they'll exhaust a lot of those options before we get down to the, the stretch run and into April. I know you don't want to take any team lightly in the NHL, but mm-hmm. the Chicago Blackhawks are not good and they can't score. Um, the Canucks called up Jet Wu. Is there any chance we could see Jet Wu? Maybe if you're the head coach, you're like, I think our lineup needs a little bit of juice to it, maybe. Um, could this be a night where you could see the debut of Jet Wu? Yeah, I, I, the way I look at it is you've got one game left in a road trip, and granted, you only have six healthy defensemen, so you do want another body in there in case something goes wrong, but 
uh, and you know we'll find out based on what happens aboarding skate and hearing for brick talk it later this morning but you know to put Susie on ir and call Wu up and fly him out to chicago for nothing i you know that maybe that's what they're doing maybe they're just saying we need some insurance we'll get the kid up we'll give him a reward of, of you know some nhl money for a few days because of how well he's played this year and we'll let him take warm up and and you know get a, a taste of that experience but to me, if you're going to bring him out to Chicago, you're playing the Blackhawks. He's had a good year. Um, you know, you had to play Friedman and Juleson together on your third pairing the last game anyway. Why not throw him in the lineup? Give him a chance. He's going to be excited. Maybe he brings some energy to the rest of your roster. Why not play him? So we'll see if that's the mindset that they have as well. And I'm sure Rick Tockett will talk about that in a few hours here when uh, they're on the ice for morning skate. But uh, that's how I would look at it is why fly him to Chicago for nothing. Why not give him a chance to get into the lineup and, and a reward for a really good season that he's having down in Abbotsford. Yeah, I agree about you. I really hope that's the thinking as well. Cause I'd like to see him play tonight. Uh, I know you got a lot on the go, including the game tonight. So have a good call. Best of luck with everything. Uh, we'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. A reminder, you can hear batch on the call tonight. 5.30 puck drop from the United Center in Chicago. And another reminder, pregame, postgame, all right here on Sportsnet 650. You know, it was a sneaky, funny moment in Rick Tockett's postgame avail after the Capitals win was when he was asked about Nils Hoaglander only playing 11 minutes and 54 seconds. He was like, what? He I did like, that? He was like, oh, I thought I, I, thought I kept calling his name. <laughs> um, what I would like to see just as a – um, experiment is I would like to see Suter okay. with Besser and Miller, and then you go with. Uh, I know where you're going with this. Holglander, Pedersen, and Lidholm. The Trey Croner line. Yeah, yeah. I want just put I'd the like sweets to together. I here's the thing. I keep going back and forth because I'm like, you have to be able to let these units play together for a couple games. But there's also the mad scientist which are like, I want to try this. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. to try that. And, and what I, Batch says, like, if you have a really bad game and Pedersen and Lidholm had a bad game together, you can't just be like, well, go, you know, like there's a level of accountability that things have to change after that. If you put Pedersen, Lindholm, and Hoaglander together, who do you want playing center? That's a good question. I I, I don't know. So, I think you, you know, Lindholm gets the first period, PD gets the second, and <laughs> if things aren't going day. great, like how much have you played center, Holgie? I think my first my knee jerk reaction would be have Patterson as the center because mm-hmm. I that the one game where he like Lindholm started as a winger on Patterson's line. Mm-hmm. I actually think that might have been the best that he. You know, it's a four game sample size. I'm not freaking out, so just chill. Nobody's out. freaking out. Nobody's freaking Nobody out. But I think he looked out. good there. At the same time, I'm like. Is it maybe more pragmatic to run it back with Lindholm playing with Miller and Besser and give him another shot at it? Mm-hmm. Didn't look great, but that's okay because it's really the first time the three of you have played together in that in that type of environment. I don't know if there's enough speed on that line, and that's a legitimate concern. Yeah. But I just don't know how. Li- I'm not an NHL head coach. I only play one on the radio. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much runway is adequate, right? Yeah, I mean, this anyone that's coached at any level, when you're forced to make decisions about playing time and deployment, mm-hmm. it can be, you know, like house league ten year olds. You're still, it's a, it's an age old question. It's like, do I give them time to figure it out, yeah. or do I say, okay, enough's enough, 
we got to try something try different something else, for the yeah. betterment of the team right now. The beautiful, beautiful thing about the Canucks, especially in tonight's game, you can play with your food a little bit. You can. I hate saying it out mm-hmm. loud. All due respect to Luke Richardson and the collection of fringe NHLers and, quite frankly, AHLers that the Chicago Blackhawks have. Yeah, you're at the end of a trip. You are going to be fine with your record. You've got a chance to play Jet Wu, and you got a chance to play around with your lineup a little bit because you probably will be able to manufacture some sort of result against, and shockingly, not the lowest scoring team in the NHL. They're the second lowest scoring team. Who's the lowest scoring The Sharks. Really? Somehow the Sharks have fewer goals than the Blackhawks. Now, (laughs) if you go back and look at the first part of the season, when Bedard and and the rest of the guys were playing, the Blackhawks actually had some fairly high-scoring games. Yeah, and I guess that. They were playing a little bit more river hockey, as Rick Tocca likes to call it. Now it's just, I don't know what it is, mud hockey, I suppose. Do the Sharks, have have they put some guys on LTIR? Thomas Hurdle. Oh, okay. Yep. So he will not be traded at the deadline. That's one of those ones where it's like my knee's aching, and they're like, do you want to go on LTIR? He's like, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. And then everyone's happy because they don't have to do anything, really. Okay, uh, what we learned, I want to do one because it took a while, actually, in his rookie campaign, but we finally got the quintessential Victor Wembenyama performance last night. In the best game of his young NBA career, it took up approximately until game 50, uh, Wemby wrote his name into the history books yesterday with a triple-double, but not just any triple-double, Jason. The very rare triple-double where you hit double digits in blocks. I love it. He I had a career-high 10 blocks against the sad sack Toronto Raptors yesterday. And I don't know if you saw how he got the 10th one. It was on fellow rookie, mm-hmm. Raptors rookie Grady Dick who was basically falling to the floor oh. while trying to shoot. It looked like... Was when we be like, that counts as a block! It looked like a little kid trying to play basketball against his dad. <laughs> the block was so... Inf- and Grady Dick just kind of lied on the floor afterwards, and he threw a tantrum. Um, so, Wemby... Beca- so, what was the stat line? Points, obviously, Here was we one go. of them. Okay. 27 points, 14 rebounds, a career-high 10 blocks. Here's the crazy part. He had five assists. Mm. So he wasn't that far off from having a quadruple double. How many How many, How many? many steals did he hit the floor Two. for any steals? Two steals. <laughs> he did it in 29 minutes of action. He didn't play that much. Uh, first NBA player in more than three seasons to post a triple double that included the 10-plus blocks. So um, only 34 guys in NBA history have done this. The guys that did it the most are obviously – some of the most immortal bigs of all time and shot blockers of all time, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dikembe Mutombo, David Robinson had a bunch of them. So Wemby joins the pantheon of greats in uh, San Antonio Spurs, big men, including David Robinson. So kudos to him. Um, the Raptors are so bad right now. Uh, I, that game, so when the, the schedule was first released, everyone had the Wemby game in like a premier game in their season ticket package and mm-hmm. the broadcasters were fighting over who could get it. But the Raptors have just had such a really uninteresting season despite all the trades because it's been sell-offs, right? And I know getting R.J. Barrett in and getting Kelly Olynyk in has kind of brought the Canadiana aspect to the forefront, but it's been a real tough campaign. Um, anyway, they did lose last night, by the way. Wemby got a win as well in a 122-99 smackdown of the Raptors. So kudos to Wemby. Uh, he's I, I want Wemby to become the first NBA player to have 
a quintuple quintuple double. Right. The quintuple. The, the quad the quadruple double has been done before. It is Four super times. rare, but it's been done. Mm-hmm. Um so he was only five assists and uh what was it? Eight, right? Eight steals away from the from the quint. <laughs> Eight steals away is a, is, <laughs> a lot. is a long way away. But they barely played him. Yeah. They could have thrown him out there for longer, see what he could have done. Can you imagine if he's just like just going after the ball the whole time. <laughs> Diving on the floor. He covers half the floor when he dives. And he's fouled out. <laughs> yeah. He's also incredibly injured. Okay. Uh, out that. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.